yes! Hey, hey, Bob! Yeah, that's right. You can shut the up. Whoa, Joel and B just entered the studio. Welcome to Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. We've got a jam-packed show for you. Sixers making headlines sometimes for all the right reasons, all the wrong reasons. Got the XFL. Guys are excited about any uh, a little bit of breaking news coming in recently about Major League Baseball. Trying to do the, the massive misdirection so that you stop paying attention to the fact that their commissioner is a coward. Welcome in. Sitting across from me, baseball zone. Bob Wankel. Find him Bob Wankel, CB. I'm here on behalf of baseball. Uh, I hope to talk about baseball later in the show. A little Phil's action. Let's keep it going with the baseball theme. Mr. Anthony Sanfilippo. Find him on Twitter, at Philly. Well, why is it the baseball theme? Because I, I think it's funny that because baseball Because you and continues. I are the only two people uh, yeah, here who that, care about baseball, well, it's right? because yeah. baseball is like trying to fight to be relevant, even though in the grand scheme of things, it's really not. Right, you, stay, you stay on the other side of that, boo. Okay. And across from him, <laughs> Mr. Sixer himself. He's not Sixers Kevin. He's Kevin underscore Kincaid. Let's see, um, let's see how many hot takes Russ can do before he, the entire cast of the show is introduced over here. <laughs> two hot takes, three hot takes. Did you see an XFL defensive coordinator already? Pepper Johnson. Johnson. Fired. <laughs> Pepper Johnson got fired after one game. How does that happen? I hope that the Los Angeles media is asking the hard <laughs> questions of the, uh, what's their team? What's the LA team? Are they the Outlaws? This is terrible oh, radio. God, no, that's da- uh, Dallas, I think. No, they're Houston. the Renegades, aren't they? They're Dallas? the Renegades. Are Houston they the Guardians? Is- Can we name the Wildcats? The XFL team? Is it the Wildcats? <laughs> oh, Los Angeles Wildcats. That's pretty boring. Right? Yeah, so he got fired yeah. already. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, because uh, LA really needed another football team for nobody to show yeah. up to see. Yeah, who do you think they're going to draw more? Because I think they play their first home game next week. So, do we think that they're going to draw more than the Chargers? No. 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 Is Tom Brady going to play for the Chargers next year? And the only reason I say no, <laughs> the only reason I say no, yeah, is because the Chargers draw visiting team opponents. I'm not sure the yeah, LA yeah, Wildcats are going to draw visiting team opponents. You don't think the DC Defenders <laughs> fan, fan base is going to? They're going to. I'm told they got a hardcore fan base. Yeah, though. out they west travel. on the West Coast, they travel. They well. travel well. <laughs> you know, I got a I got a couple friends who joined, and I don't understand why. I saw it on Facebook. I'm like just scrolling through my Facebook feed, and they joined the Houston whatever they are rough Roughnecks. Yeah. Houston Roughneck East Coast fan base. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I on Facebook. It. It's a group. And there are hundreds of guys yeah. in that Houston Roughnecks East Coast fan base. And I'm like, why? Well, you got to pick well, a team. It's a whole, well, no, Do you have to pick a team? No. Like, let's reset this very <laughs> no. quickly. You look, no, you well, don't let's have to lead pick a team. the Philly Sports Talk radio show with some XFL <laughs> action. I, I just I have a question. It. Did you watch any XFL this this weekend yeah yeah i watched uh i watched like a half of the dc defenders versus the seattle Dragons. i've been a lifelong seattle dragons fan so i was happy to <laughs> see them play i watched almost the whole game of the seattle battle hawks and dallas st. renegades Lu- st. i mean st louis ba- battle, yeah. Haw- battle hawks and dallas renegades it looked like football it showed like professional football I just, the problem is, forget the quality of play. Like, I don't even care that the play stinks. I'll watch football. Like, I'll watch Mac on on a Tuesday night. You know what I mean? Like, late in the college football season. I don't care about that. My thing is, like, how do you identify with any of these teams? Like, the Tampa Bay Vipers? Like, how am I supposed to sit down and enjoy that show or have, or, you know, the, the theater of that game 
and have a rooting interest in it. I just don't. This is this is like drives me crazy because this is the argument that I've been having with soccer fans for like ten years now. It's like the concept of do do you have to have a team to enjoy something, which I vehemently believe. No, I sat there and I watched the DC and Seattle game and I enjoyed it and I got. Nothing to do with either one of those teams. I so. understand that as a huge college football <laughs> fan that doesn't have a team yeah, yeah, that yeah. I go crazy for. But yeah. I just think it's like at least there's a lineage. At least there's a history. You can nah. you know what the schools are about. You know what the programs are about. You know what the rivalries are. Yeah, but if the if the product itself is well, and then I'm like painting myself into a corner here, but I'll, I'll say it this way. If you are a person who enjoys sport and enjoys athletic achievement and just enjoys watching guys do what they do on the field or watching women do what they do on the field, then – I, I would only, I would posit that you can watch it and enjoy it without having to, without without caring who wins. It's like Bill Simmons did this story on the second page of ESPN like ten years ago when the Premier League was coming to the United States, and the story was like, "Here's how you pick an EPL team." And it's like you know, it operates under this idea that like you can't watch it and enjoy it unless you have like this rooting interest. But like, you know, do I need to read uh, ten thousand words on should I pick the Battle Hawks or the Dragons or whatever? Can I just should. can I just can I just really worried? Thought that was gonna be whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, heart there. <laughs> like you get the point. It's like I don't. I I come from an angle of like I don't need to. I can watch something and enjoy it without having to like without necessarily caring who wins. I mean, to me, that actually kind of makes it. A little, a little more enjoyable because if I'm not emotionally invested, then I'm not let down. I'm not let down. That made the Guardians like, game this weekend more enjoyable yeah, for you. Yeah, because I wasn't depressed after the the Guardians <laughs> lost. Well, and I don't think you put money on it, and and I didn't, but it looked like there was a, a pretty decent yeah. betting. Yeah, let's betting talk thing a little here. bit about this DraftKings, right? We, one of our, our good friends, yeah, at good friends sports book, sponsor of the show. They said that one out of every four bets, or one out of uh, every four people that placed a bet this past weekend had action on an XFL game. And to be honest with you, and 20 times as much action that, than the AAF drew a year ago. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. that may be the one path. Like Now, the one thing that's interesting, and we've seen it locally here in the market with the Sixers, yeah. and you saw it a little bit if you watch the games this weekend, they try to incorporate the gambling elements. And it's like they are dipping their toes into it, but they don't quite have a mastery of how to incorporate it into the broadcast yet yeah, yeah, yeah but if people are are willing to bet on it then there may be some sustainability for it and we were having a conversation earlier today this upcoming weekend now week two of the xfl season the only competition outside of college basketball is nba all-star weekend so there's a platform there's a showcase for this for this league in week two and if there's some gambling interest then maybe there's some sustainability here. Because maybe. that's, I think the point that I would make is that legal sports betting allows you to have skin in a game that you normally wouldn't care about. Absolutely. So that, to me, can replace this idea that you have to pick a team to have interest in the game when you can, so you have kind of like three different things here. One, you can bet on a team and have an interest in whether they win or lose. My the second thing is what I am, and I just watch sports and enjoy it for the sporting achievement. Or the third thing is you could just pick a team and go wear the jersey and act like you're a fan. Those are three different ways to engage yourself in it. I think the legal sports betting kind of takes a little bit away from this like inauthentic uh, fandom where it's just like, oh, I'm going to buy a Tottenham jersey and now I'm a Tottenham fan. You well, know you know what I, mean? I find to be very intriguing about the entire thing is that every year in the NFL, we're told that certain teams are going to be good. And invariably, they turn out not to be. And vice versa. There's teams that we are told are going to be mediocre or you know downright bad, and they surprise people. But 
you at least have some background knowledge. Like, you know what these players looked like in college. You know what the team did a year ago. You at least have a reference point. And for me, week one of the XFL season, you have no idea, right? Like, a team's installed by uh, as a six-and-a-half-point favorite, but you don't have any reference point whatsoever to determine, hey, is that a good value play? Does this make sense? Logistically, should I take this team? You don't have a feel for the matchups. You don't know what the coaches are like. You don't know the motivation of the players. How close were they on, on their lines and spreads? I believe that the underdogs, if I'm not mistaken, were, were pretty good, and I think a lot of the games stayed under. Under, under. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, I think that was to Which be Which next week I would play the overs just as a – because their numbers will come down yeah. a little bit, and yeah. those offenses will be a little bit more in tune. The one thing I noticed with those offenses were they were a lot of dink and dunk. There was not a lot of downfield. There could, just because you don't have the guys who can – either the quarterbacks don't have the arms to throw those balls or the receivers can't get down there. And so a lot of it is 35 passes in a game for 202 yeah. yards. This is not a right? place for Matt McGloin slander. I'm just saying. Well, it's the first week, too. I mean, How weird is it watching Bob Stoops out there, too? Like, Bob Stoops. 59-year-old Bob Stoops. Cardale, Should he still Cardale, be Cardale, Cardale 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 When it yeah, comes to staying it. power for the league, though, versus the AAF, like I think a lot of it does come down to like what numbers do we see DraftKings and other sportsbooks report for week two? Yeah. Because last year with the AAF, like there there was that initial push on social media that, like, hey, it's cool to, keep, to, to still have football, yeah. but there wasn't that – that gambling aspect to it to, to also keep it alive. And it wasn't like the AAF was so vastly different that there was much staying power on social. Like the, I, I think my biggest takeaway from it this weekend, like my wife and I were like kind of going back and forth. She's like, well, do you really think they have a chance with the XFL here for there to be staying power? And I was like, well, if, if you can get through the first weekend and, and people aren't slaughtering it on social, like especially on Twitter where things are always negative anyway, if you make it through, like you're fine. And like, quite frankly, if, if you're somebody who's kind of found themselves like disaffected by the NFL's over, overly complicated, um, convoluted system of, of rules and, and play and, and, and calls from the officials, like you look at some of the, the way that the XFL has kind of integrated these new rules and like they have explainers on YouTube that are like real quick hit and it's for the love of football is their tagline, which I think is really cool because like if you're watching at this point and you don't have a vested sports gambling interest, it is because you really do love football. Like I look at what they've done with kickoffs and with punting that quite frankly like to me is something that the NFL should have been able to come up with. And I look at like the double forward pass where like, all right, you don't have to lateral behind, but as long as that first pass doesn't pass the line of scrimmage, like that opens up the playbook. That's that is a cool wrinkle to add. But in. if you love football, not only are you getting more football with the XFL, and you so you want the product to be good because you're right. You see these added wrinkles, this deviation from tra- from tradition. Frankly, there could be a bleed over effect here. You know where the NFL says, "Hey, this is working. I like this," or "We like this as a league." Now, I'm not saying they're going to do this radical overhaul based on what they see from the XFL in a year or two, but I do think that the existence of the XFL even if it's a fraction of the popularity of the NFL, would be good for everyone, for fans everywhere. Yeah, well, I think and so too, and I, 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 I was interested because I watch a lot more college football than most people in this city, I think, do. And, uh, you know, it's cool to see guys who were college stars who didn't make it in the NFL kind of get another another chance, you know, and that's kind of like, if you think about it, there's never really been anywhere else for NFL guys to go other than the Canadian League. So, you know, whereas, like, you know, the NBA, like, guys find their way over to Europe or whatever or – uh, there are, you know, minor, minor leagues and other sports and stuff like that. So 
if they could establish themselves kind of as like a bona fide minor league of the unofficial minor league of the NFL or even turn it into some kind of partnership. And then you get to this idea of like, would you if you're a professional player, would you rather be on an NFL practice squad or would you rather be playing in the XFL? Like make it where you kind of like find that like line right there to get get people interested. But well, that was the I mean, thought, I thought too, except was... for underclassmen, like the oh, idea yeah. the idea of like going to college for a year and if you're still by age or whatever not allowed to go declare for the NFL, then maybe this does become like that that layover league. What if you go that? Yeah, you go to XFL for a year. Well, and, think about uh, how much fun that would be too. Like even even if like the XFL somehow opened it up, and I'm not saying that it's a good idea because like an 18 year old kid going up against, you know, guys who are still trying to make their case to go back to the NFL, guys who were like tweeners or whatever, like maybe it's not a good idea to have an 18-year-old oh, yeah, kid yeah, go out yeah, and play yeah. receiver or whatever and, and get crushed across the middle. It's not good for the league or whatever, but uh, imagine if you had the ability now to watch and see how does this guy really project? Like if it is right out of high school, if it's one year in college and, and this is the in-between year, and now you do get to compare them to grown men, the same way that like Emmanuel Moutier goes to China and he tears the, the whole thing up. Now, the Chinese League isn't great by any stretch of the imagination, but like you have that that way that you can kind of compare seeing a guy go to college versus go to the pros in basketball. It doesn't, it just doesn't exist in football. It would be cool to see that. Um, I think there was like another part to this because it, it came up before about like the, the buy-in concept. Like not having to worry about having your heart broken as a sports fan but still being able to enjoy the product is is a lot of fun. And the idea that like some people might have an issue with trying to buy into a league because they don't either have any history with the players or there's there's no history to go back to and compare or whatever. Like I know it makes sense because Vince McMahon owns the whole thing and I'm like the pro wrestling guy at the table, but like they finally got a little kick in the butt this year with AEW coming in and like that that's like run with Chris Jericho who's like an all-time well-known guy in pro wrestling as the face of it for the most part and like that gave it instant legitimacy and that and you saw how that shakes up somebody like the wwe into like actually well, that's all changing the walk. changing mean, their I mean, that gives it instant their legitimacy. product and so yeah. like that's big and so like the xfl if nothing else maybe it gives the nfl a little bit of a kick to be innovative and maybe more than anything i thought the xfl's legacy was the presentation side so i wasn't watching the xfl because i cared about trying to get into the houston roughnecks yeah, yeah, yeah. i cared more about what elements of the presentation are they going or is are, the nfl going to steal and how they're going to execute yes, because like i look at there's no there's no world where the nfl is going to allow players to be interviewed immediately after a big play on the sideline like we can probably say that and part's the coaches not are be like there. reading the plays like yeah. live on the thing you know it's like but the idea of maybe being able to go in and and have a guy like the whole mic'd up idea that was an xfl thing that was being done before the nfl had really mainstreamed it sky cam and alternate angles like that was all xfl so i i, I was watching more for that aspect of it and i i think it's a it's a cool thing if nothing else but didn't you didn't you kind of get the fact from watching it this time or the feeling from watching it this time that it was less of uh, it's a more polished product? Yeah, it was not less as much of shock a, factor. It was less of a sideshow. Yeah, and it was more like here's unique ideas that we've executed better. Well, what's the you one know, thing you remember feel, about you know, XFL 1.0? I remember he hate me. Yeah, he hate me. That's yeah, what I remember. Rod, Rod Smart and like all this craziness that was just like crazy for the sake of being crazy. But but did they what, drop the ball at the time, 50 yard line and have a race yes, from opposite goal yeah, lines? Yes, or did I just yeah. make that up? No, yeah, no, that actually happened. Like old dodgeball. <laughs> but like this is a great like this is how you how you merge like modern day like like to Russ's point. You know, modern day gripes about the NFL. What's one of them? Well, there's no kickoffs anymore. You know, because they kick it out of the end zone every single time. Well, they don't want people to get hurt. Okay. So what's the solution to that? 
let them catch the ball, and then everybody starts running after that. That way, and you the teams cut are only down. separated by five yards. Yeah, so you, you don't have down, that that running lead up the massive. You cut down there. on injuries. You know, there's not as many concussions, but you still have a really exciting play in the game. It's genius. It works. You know, and then you have the one and the two and the three points and stuff like that, which adds layers to the game that weren't there. Instead of like this, the basic analytics of do I kick the extra point or go for two? Or, you know, and it, it just adds some adds some more like flexibility to it. And it also like their their whole concept of like no lead is safe. Well, that's true if you've got those varied versions of having extra points that actually matter, where it's not a given for the most parts. You know that that you're going to get that that one point. Having the ability to go for three is cool. Yeah. Having that that variety or that variance on if it if it defense forces the turnover returns it for the the score they get that many points like Mm -hmm. that's cool and also that prevents you from having to watch a failed onside kick in a one-point game or in a two-point game when something goes awry like these are good ideas and i don't get why the nfl so maybe they will maybe they will but i i feel like we might be reaching our xfl Time limit, and I would like. I've to already, put, I've, I've already lost. I'd like to put interest. a bell on this by getting <laughs> Anthony's opinion. Takes? I've already lost. He's interest. just lurking over there. You have to have some XFL take for us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, here it is. It's, it's, uh, it's bad football. It and, is. Uh, it's not. It's, it's not, terrible it's, football. Oh, here comes the boom. The boomer. No, it's I'm terrible thinking. football. First of all, no. The boomer. If it was the boomer, <laughs> okay, it would be that the NFL's product has dropped off so considerably over the years. But I'm not going there. If if but I even though that is my belief, but we're gonna sit here and we're gonna watch a bunch of guys who can't make it in the NFL play football. Like what for what purpose? I don't understand it. I don't understand why do I why should I care? Why, don't I have other things to watch? I'd rather watch college basketball and as Ugh. we get ready for the for for the uh, for the tournament. I'd rather watch the the NBA and the NHL as we get down in the final two months. Let me of the ask, season. Okay, before we wrap up the XFL thing, real quick, if they had an XFL team that was playing at Talon, do you think it would be supported in this city? No, I do. Sort of. Like what's supported? Okay, well, let me say that. I remember. I okay, think you would sell because out. I think we can get seventeen thousand. Like week one, I think seventeen thousand. Because yeah. I'm old enough to remember the USFL in Philadelphia. You know who killed the USFL? You know who killed the Stars? I was going to say the birth of the United States. Okay, but the Philadelphia Stars were the premier team in the USFL. They went to the final all three years of the league. That was more, right? They actually moved to Baltimore for the third year. So I do recall. The USFL in Philly, and they played at the Vet. Yeah. And the first, the first season, they had a couple of games where they had decent crowds, but they had to move out of Philly because they couldn't draw anybody mm-hmm. in, in the second year. And then by the third year, it was like nobody even cared. Like it was like no, no, nobody mad. It didn't matter. Their attendance figures were bad. And this was this was at a time when the Eagles weren't great. It was the early '80s. What? Eagles weren't a very good team. So why do you, why do you guys think it would work? I think it would be. Ha- I think it would have to be social media driven. I think that there's just like this. I don't want to say counter culture, but I just feel like that there's this pocket of people out there that are like, yeah, this can be you our think thing. Like, if they made like we can get people, out ahead of people. It. Who I got- can become the the Philadelphia XFL super fan. Like, how did the soul do? That's arena football. Arena football, but like, it's football. No, it's not, it's not I, though. I actually football. have to agree with Russ for the first time on this show. But, in it's, five months. but it's the same thing. There's gimmicks in in the in the XFL that aren't part of re- the NFL. Yeah, it's, but, a, it's, I mean, it's a gimmicky version of the sport. At least it's a, a football field. But the XFL know, is outside. closer to football. To it's closer NFL than arena. It's closer, football, but it, it, it wouldn't draw. No, it would not draw. Um, uh, two more quick football topics that uh, are just kind of peripherals here. Uh, Temple staying at the link for another five years. 
So it looks like the on-campus uh, stadium idea is kaput. You know, they were going to build it at 15th and Norris there, and they just, you know, there was so much pushback from the community, and they would have needed city council's approval anyway to do it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think Kyle's take, Kyle retweeted a, a story that he wrote a couple years ago about it where he's saying you're going to do all this for what, for six home games a year? Other than the logistics, do you think that they could fill that stadium? Third, let's say 30,000 seats. Are God, they doing I that? I don't even know. Well, it was supposed to be 35,000. Yeah, it was supposed to cost like $126 Ooh, Temple? million. Could Temple fill it? Could Temple fill 30,000, 35,000 no. consistently? No. no, I mean, they they only they finally sold it. You know, they played in the link for like 12 years, 13 years before they finally sold that place out. And that's when they were like seven. They played Penn State. Penn State fans helped them sell it out in 2015, and then later that year they sold it out when they were seven and zero and playing Notre Dame at home. Yeah. And there are a lot of poser Notre Dame fans in the city as well, so you know they helped help them do that. But yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just, I mean, I mean, when you think about it, it's like yes, of course, like it's not having your own stadium looks kind of corny. But yeah, I mean, what's what's the you know that they're just not. I don't think they're supported enough to be able to do it. You know, yeah. um, any thoughts on the the Eagles? following through with what we thought they might do and uh, not have an offensive coordinator at all. I think it puts more of the responsibility on Doug Peterson, and he seems content to do that. I think that it's like, hey, this is my team. This is my offense, my show. Uh, I do think it's what we talked about before. I think it's hard to go out and get a name brand guy or a household name to, to come in and be the offensive coordinator if they're not calling the plays. So this is kind of the system that Doug Peterson wants, and this I, is what he's going to get. I think it's more than that. I think that the way things went down with the firings of the f- former guys let a lot of people around this league think that this is a situation where the coach doesn't necessarily have as much authority over his staff as they would be comfortable with. So let me ask you this. And so therefore, you... because, the, because the owner came in and replaced coaches, you're a little bit less likely to come into a situation where that the situation in, in this year maybe next year guys would be more willing to do it but this season it was almost like eh, eh, I ain't touching that one any chance that it was more internally driven though where Doug Peterson says listen you want to you want to go against my will and and get rid of these guys that I just publicly vouched for yesterday literally yesterday I don't want an offensive coordinator now now I want to hire a run game coordinator pass game coordinator label them that way this is how I'm going to show that I still have that clout. I mean, do you think it could have come like as a, a pushback from Peterson? I mean, it could be, but you know, like we were saying on the show not long ago, I mean, that's a, a pretty common setup, uh, or it's a more it's a more common setup. Now the 49ers have that, you know, where Shanahan's the play caller. You have two assistants below him, uh, you know, guys like college play callers like uh, Dana Holgerson, for example, have the same thing. Have have like. Uh, two two co like co offensive coordinators underneath them, so I don't think it's I don't think it's as rare as people think it is. But you do get the outside perspective in a senior offensive assistant in uh in uh Scangarello, right? Am I saying his last name right? Uh, from the Broncos, you know, he comes in as an offensive assistant, so you do get that the outside perspective that people were worried about because I think when they promoted Press Taylor, everybody's like, oh god, here we go, it's just another like internal. I don't know hire, if you were the one but, that said it, but. It's hard to evaluate position coaches after the fact, yeah. let alone speculate what the moves may mean moving forward. Like, I love everyone out there that's like, oh, well, this is a great hire. Or, this this move stinks. It's more 
you have no idea. I yeah, mean, like really speculating really on the effectiveness of position coaches and coaching structure on a team. But you do get, I mean, at this if, point, if the boxes, what were the boxes that we were trying to check here at the end of the season? Like people wanted grow pretty much gone, right? Yep. Okay. So you check that box. Doug was going to call the plays anyway, right? So that box was automatically checked. You wanted outside, outside like new perspective yeah. from somebody new. So you got that, right? So, I mean, if you look at it that way, didn't they kind of check the boxes that you sure. were you're hoping for? All right. Yeah. So Super Bowl next year. How many how many teams have the uh, the split the split on the offense like that? A handful. God, I mean, yeah, I mean, just a handful. Niners. So is it Eagles possible now. that this is just another example of institutional arrogance? I'm just oh kidding. God, I thought I'm you were going to say copycat league, and then kidding. you had to drop your your line. The National again. Football League. So Russ, where do you want to go from here? We did fo- we did XFL. Well, I know Anthony's got to leave soon. I do. I got so run. let's let's just I guess make him happy. We'll we'll do Sixers momentarily. Uh, Major League Baseball put out. Propose well, it's 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 been rumored that they're going to have. There's a whole story some, in the New York some, Times, some massive or New York Post, right? Or New York Post, rather, yeah. Um, about MLB looking to do radical changes to the postseason by 2022, possibly moving from five to seven teams in each league and have the teams with the best records pick their playoff opponents. For a guy who wants to fight for the soul of football, how do you fight for the soul of baseball if these things go through? Do you like them? No, I, I think that the commissioner needs needs to be drawn and quartered and hung in the square in New York City. <laughs> Figuratively, not literally. Yeah. I mean, come on. This is, abs- this is so ridiculous. I mean, it, it, why play 162 games if you're going to make half the league make the playoffs now? I think you could have just stopped at why play 162 games. Oh, stop it. One, Would you go to seven teams? A seventeen no. playoff in each league. No, I, I, I don't like, like five. I don't hate that. I I don't like five. Oh my god! I think that baseball how many is based should there on be? in the San Filippo Baseball League. How many? I'm okay with four. Can I think four in each could league. Could you sound yeah. any more like a boomer tonight with these? Well, no, why? Well, <laughs> these why are we doing a participation trophy sport? No, but it's you play not. 162 games to put an 81 and 81 team in a damn playoffs. Why? You know what the best baseball is? I'm going to tell you this as a person who's not a baseball person. The best baseball is playoff baseball. I agree. Yes. I want more playoff baseball. I, I want. Agree. I don't need 162. Give me 150 and seven teams. I will meet you in the middle. I'll give you 150 and seven They're not going to cut teams. back the regular season. I do believe that those wild card rounds need to be three-game series. I know that it's great theater. Again, that's my that's my thing tonight, great theater. Um, but it, <laughs> With Bob Wankel. <laughs> it's a game. It's a sport that's based <laughs> on series play. On the side of the game. Yeah. <laughs> it's a game that's based on... Series play, and you're going to have a, a sudden death one game playoff. It, it's never made. Yeah, it, is, yeah. it is really yeah. compelling, though. It's a great. It, those games are usually highly entertaining. Three games is also compelling, though, too. Yeah. That's high stakes. But I think you it know, gives I, you a yeah. better indicator of who is the superior team, or at least it takes a little bit of the you know luck the, element out of yeah, it. Wild, yeah, yeah, wild card element. Yeah, I don't know. I just I find myself every year like I watch the MLB playoffs, and I'm like, this is great. I mean, because the minutia of baseball is amplified when it's in a higher stakes setting. And, like, I don't necessarily care about, you know, making three correct pitching changes in a row in the middle of July, especially when Kapler's doing it, you know, your boy. So I would like to see more of it in the postseason. And I just, like, I know it's about revenue and, you know, you pack it. You're trying to, you know, get as many games in there as as you can or whatever. But I just want to see more postseason baseball and less of less regular season. I don't know if you called it or not, but in that story, the proposal is the Sunday night, the final Sunday of the season. There's going to be like a reality show, like a selection Sunday show. And you have the best team in each division or I'm sorry, in each league earn a buy. And then the number two team would then select who they want to play. 
in the, the playoffs. Phillies. They select the Phillies. So you no, would... the Phillies are the number two seed. They get to... <laughs> oh, oh, the Phillies get to select. That would be like last year in the AL. I believe that the Yankees were the number two team in the AL, and they would have the ability to pick from either the Rays, the Red Sox, or the Indians. And like you would pick your opponent in the first round of the playoffs. That's that's, that's ridiculous insane. too. That's ridiculous. That's yeah. I would pick the Astros, but I would only play them at home, <laughs> not at their stadium. I, Anthony, you gotta before you leave, you have to tell us something that you do like. <laughs> Tell us something that you're positive on right now. Because uh, you don't like the XFL. The 2020 Phillies. No, I'm not positive on the 2020 Phillies either. I can't you wait till cross-step returns oh, yeah. to, the, to the podcast airwaves. Yeah. Pitchers and catchers report, man. We're not excited Tomorrow. about yeah. that. Yeah. Not, not this team. No. We're going to do on crossed-up this year, we're going to do a thing where we just uh, embrace debate, really. And I'm just going to... <laughs> I'm going to feel and sense what Anthony's going to say on air, and I'm just going to take the opposite Grand stance. theater with Bob yeah. Wang. Like it's going to be great theater um, tonight at 8. What do I like? How about Penn State team. basketball, man? Number 13 in the country. Penn State <laughs> basketball. Dude, they're playing some really Taking good Taking down the Big Ten one by one. <laughs> and, I've, and I like them all year long, and I've been, you know, I've been watching them play, and I'm like, you know, this team's actually a lot better than they're getting credit for. Basketball. And they've now made it all the way up to number 13. I think they are a top 10 team. Not only that, I think that Penn State basketball has a shot to go Final Four this year. Penn State, uh, I remember when Penn State played Temple. Penn State played Temple in the tournament like five or six years ago, and that's the last time I heard of Penn State basketball before they were good this year. Yeah, this uh, Ryan, who's you know Mr. Villanova, because all, that's all he knows, because that's all he listens. to. He can to. talk into the microphone. Yeah, I mean he's over there giving me grief you about it. You want to put a little weight on that, how sir? How much? How much? Penn, how much Penn State have you actually watched? How much? Same amount I've, I've, I've watched Rutgers zero. Okay, so that Rutgers goes, so is this, not I'm bad just going to show year. you that you've not seen yeah, the play. Rutgers is actually watch pretty Penn, good. Before you I want sit a wager. And I want to wager right now. No, before you sit here and want to bet with me on Penn State, no. I want you to watch them play. No, and then watch no, how Anthony they play. Anthony wants to hedge because the next time Penn State goes and gets blown out, by the time who next week's show, blown out by? Get, I don't know. I don't care. College basketball sucks until the tournament. It's all meaningless. Oh my it's God. like oh, it's no. like regular uh, season see, baseball. You ask for a bad take. None of it take, matters until you and get you got to it the from, postseason. You got it from Jerky Boy over Can here. Can I ask you a question jerky though? Let me ask you. Yeah. Why does baseball need 162 games? Baseball. Because it's had it for so long. Uh, no, no, no. That's no, 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 no. That is no, so I, stupid. Let me finish the answer. You guys want to jump down my throat for that, okay? The sport is rooted in its history and its historical measurements, okay, of who hit the most home runs in the season, who had the best batting average, who had the most – this is something that what is what makes the game great. It's what it's it's how they pick their Hall of Fame. It's everything is tied into that, okay? And the sport has had that now for almost 60 years at 162 games. Should the you end- will then change everything about the sport and its history by cutting back. And you, want, should, you guys want to cut back – Should the NBA have never brought in the three-point line? Should they just – that shouldn't exist. <laughs> I'm just wondering because that fundamentally changed basketball. Are we unable to compare? Yeah, Hal Greer never shot a three pointer. Yeah, mean, seriously. And who, and who was and who still is the great? You know, you know, you look back at who the greatest scores of all time were. Well, nobody's asking to change the history and the tradition of baseball. It's just like you can both, look at different eras. Have the same damn rules or like the sizes of the ballparks actually be? Do the you same honestly or? feel that baseball's biggest problem is that it's 162 games? Or no, do you but think I, that I, the, no. the the flow of the individual game itself. I mean, I, I think here's the thing that you guys, I, I I'll back up Anthony here to an extent. I don't really care about the symmetry of the statistics necessarily but I do think that people who love baseball love the fact that it's on every night there's an ebb and flow to the season mm-hmm. I know that baseball is in decline I know that the ratings are in decline I get it but people that love that game 
love the way that the season flows. And to change that, I don't know that that's going to help the sport. I don't think people are going to say, oh, there's 12 less games. All of a sudden, I'm going to be into baseball. No. Right? I think people, well, I think people, everybody's like, well, baseball is so slow. I don't think it even really, I mean, you can talk about how the average length of a game, but I think like this generation is just kind of like, you know, can't pay attention to anything. So I think it's, it's, let's. Well, that's a problem I, with the generation and not a problem with the sport. Yeah, well, like some, uh, yeah, some yeah, sports sometimes, you, but sometimes to, you do have to, to adapt, adapt to, to times you know, a I mean, little bit. Like, you know, it's, it's, you can't just say, well, it's fine the way it is. I mean, if 20 year olds can't be on, can't look at, can't go two seconds with without looking at their phone. You know, it's funny it's how like, much we talk gonna... about this. Like, if the Phillies could field a 93-win team, that place would sell out. Well, it would be could... packed with 20-somethings yep. and teens. If they and... could make because it's inexpensive. It would be cool. Well, part of that is because it's inexpensive sure, to attend. Sure, but then that's an advantage that the game it has. It was packed with 20-somethings when they were good back No, I, I was ago. one of them, thanks. Well, if they but could like, make us interested okay. in the team and actually, like, do have inspirational off-season signings, we would probably be talking about that. I, I think we beat the drum of baseball's bad and baseball's in trouble because in our city, it the team has not given us a functional product well, in almost a, a cheap, decade. Uh, that's a cheap radio topic, and everybody talks about it all the time. Well, it was baseball, blah, 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 because it's like, you know, I mean, when the Phillies were the I, way they I, were for the longest time. I, I, I think I told you guys, I think I told you guys, I don't know if I did it on the air, if I just sent it in Slack, the, the average attendance is better now than it was 15, 20 years ago when the sport was, was faster, when the game was being played 20 minutes the average game was 20 and they're, they're starting to the league itself is starting to catch up a little bit to social media i mean they were just yeah, they so were behind, far they behind, were behind the in that. you gotta get sure. like young, yeah younger people interested and i think in the they're starting stars, to you know, get yeah. that but again you know there there are real issues with baseball it's not to I say that they're from like, i guess like the idea of shortening the season like for i think to me it's like and it's it's an experiential thing versus is it necessary? Like, I, I like when the Phillies are on, not because I'm going to watch nine innings of baseball. Like, when the Phillies were good, I sat down and I watched, I don't know, like 145 or something of the 162, sure. and I watched them through their entirety. But there, there is something nice about having it in the background and to passively follow the, soundtrack the team. soundtrack of the no, summer. And, and seriously, and there's something nice With about that. But I, I'm not so sure that you couldn't figure out who the best teams in baseball are with... 15 fewer games. But I would only go, yeah, I mean, I'm only saying I would go to 150 if that accommodates more an, ex, an expanded playoff format. Like, I'm not oh, just cutting, okay. it, I'm not just yeah, cutting yeah, it down yeah, to 150 for the sake of cutting and it I to like, 150. I like, like playoff baseball. How many playoff games are there now? Like, if you cut out 12 regular season games and gave me 12 more postseason games, I would I would watch that because I just like postseason baseball. I think a postseason can play up to what? An additional 20. Well, seven, fourteen, yeah, nineteen, seven, fourteen, twenty-one. But I like An I like per, Anthony's yeah. Penn State basketball shout. You know, there that's you how. Wide so his hot Calvin take, Booth. Anthony's first real hot take on the show <laughs> that's, that's is that Penn, Penn State basketball, basketball could make the Final Four. Well, you heard it here first, man, and we'll dig up the audio if it happens. But I, I'm just proud of the fact that we can touch on Penn State basketball, Temple football, the XFL, and this, not even get to the Sixers. And yet. not even get to the Sixers yet. <laughs> we have not that's, even talked about the shush. The shush herd. Which also does not matter. Around the world. Anthony, thank you, my man. Yeah. All right. Anthony is on his way to uh, to go live his life. To great theater. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag great theater. I'm surprised he didn't do great any kind theater. of a plug for the theater company that he's, that he's the president of. Not oh, until, until the show, show happens. happens. Okay. Which means he's leaving me all alone for the Flyers game tonight. Oh, really nice of him. You're going to have to do the press row show by all yourself. All by myself. Yeah. It's really sad. As much as I offered great knowledge. 
last time. I did enjoy. I think you. I thought that was an enjoyable show we did at an Odd Lodging Brewing Company. I did all right. I listened back to one of the segments and I was like, man, do I don't do I know what the hell I'm talking about? I did okay, I guess. In a tough spot, it was a tough spot for me. So I'm sticking to. But speaking of our friends at Odd Lodging Brewing Company, I. There, there's nothing quite like going out there, 500 Bristol Pike and Bristol PA. Sometimes people are like, oh, man, that's Bucks County. That's a far drive. Put on it's your big boy, really. Like, I just put on, did it. Put on your big boy pants. Put on your big girl pants. Yeah, you only live once, man. I mean, what are you going to do, sit around in Schuylkill, Schuylkill County? Schuylkill. 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 Go out to Bucks County. Bucks County is a nice place. It is a great place. Plus, apparently, they've got like a, a revived or a, a growing now brewery scene. Yeah. But I think I think at the forefront of it is Odd Logic Brewing Company. They've got fantastic mm-hmm. variety. And Kevin, I know as a craft beer aficionado mm. yourself, a, a guy who likes to check into at least one craft brewery every weekend. Yeah, that was the running Odd joke Logic, this summer. Odd Logic I, Brewing Company has got a really nice variety. Kev, do. do you have Untapped? Believe it or not, I do not. Really, I'm a big Untapped guy. Yeah, I log all of my beers. Yeah. And Ross, I'm not blowing up your read here. I'm letting you know that I've actually checked out some of Odd Logic's beers on Untapped. Yeah. They score very well. Oh. They do because they're fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I was drinking the nine percent of with some kind of stout it was tasty there. A hefeweizen. But to your question, I had that, that uh, brown ale. Your question of variety, yes. I mean, because you you know some of these new breweries pop up, and it's like you got ten beers and seven of them are an, are an IPA. All right, it's great. But what if you don't drink IPA? You know, you're sitting there, you know, looking at the other three. That's not even enough to fill a flight. So it's like, you know, and you take, here's, here's the point being, it's not to appease like snobs. It's like if I take my dad to a brewery and he's been a traditional Heineken drinker for his entire yeah, life. You need to give him an odd logic light. You got to get something for everybody, you know I mean? Because that's how you pull those, like uh, those older guys into the brewery scene anyway. Because yeah. they're like, oh, I don't need the, uh, you know. Uh, this isn't my Schmitz. I don't need the the, <laughs> the triple, double, double Bach with notes of cinnamon and garlic or whatever. I just want like, Ru- Russ is like, please <laughs> just let me get through this. Oh, I'm sorry. But uh, to no, the I point like being it. is that's, that's, what, that's what I liked about odd logic because they had a variety. Yeah. Well, they've got a bunch of things going Schmitz. on coming back to the uh, to the taps. They've got the Remember the Titans cream ale showing back up. Uh, no Ideas original. They, they've got a great variety, and it's not all IPAs. To Kevin's point, cream ale. They've got Saison's. They've got American Brown Ale. I had the Hooligan Factory. That one was one that I, I downed quite a few of the day that we did the uh, live show. That's the one that's got, like, the notes of caramel and toffee. I love it. And root, and root beer flavors. Rounded off with a smooth finish. Very nice beer. Anyway, Odd Logic Brewing Company, 500 Bristol Pike and Bristol PA. Make sure you get uh, yourself out there this weekend. And by the way, let them know that you heard about them over on Crossing Broadcast or Snow the Goalie, Crossing Broad, the Press Row Show. I get a lot of people who say, man, Odd Logic Brewing Company was great. Loved it. Family went out. Awesome. Went with some friends. And I say, hey, did you tell them that you heard about them on one of our shows? And they're like, oh, no, I forgot. That's part of the point. Yeah, you got to do Let them know. Got to let them know. Help me help you. Anyway, let's get into the Sixers. Because I have, uh, yeah, I, I'm ready for like, it. I'm ready. What, it, how, do you, how do you want to start it off? Do you want to give some background here? Do you want to give some context? We just assume that everybody knows what we're talking about here. Let's let's go back to trade deadline really quick. Okay. A, a lot of people were wondering if the team was going to part with, uh, really Al Horford was the big name. Were they going to part with a package that was centered around Mike Scott and Zaire Smith more or less for salary? A little bit of upside there with Zaire Smith. It's a lottery ticket. And maybe some kind of a pick to bring in, I don't know, an ancillary player that's along the lines of like a a Bertans or something like that, right? And that didn't happen, but they did go trade three second-round picks, which, in fairness, this organization, this ownership group, multiple front offices have shown they they have no interest in using them. They're going to sell them off on draft night anyway. And, And they pick up two guys who shoot 
40 plus percent from the field if roughly you if you don't use it you lose it there you go they shoot like what just under 40 percent from three and glenn robinson the third and alec burks and like is that from the four-year-old <laughs> virgin is that what that is was? it true that if you don't use your second round picks you lose it <laughs> i was gonna sorry, go Ross, well go there's ahead. also a paw patrol reference in there rocky the green pup don't Lose what? it, nah, nah, reuse me. Yeah, yeah that's my, right. my daughter's that's a right. Peppa Pig viewer. Oh, why so. would you do that? I'm sorry. Continue. I'm sorry. Anyway, continue. so they go and they get two guys that can actually shoot from the Golden State Warriors who had expanded playing time this year. I think Robinson was averaging, what was it, 16 points uh, or 19. He was averaging 19, and Burks was averaging 16 off the bench. Mm-hmm. They, they're two guys that, if nothing else, they, they walk in and they're immediately the best and I think third best three-point shooters on the team. Yeah, and it took them forever to get them here. It's like, where were they taking the Oregon Trail from Golden State back to Philadelphia? Which was the weird thing because when Robert Covington got traded to Houston, night. he took a red eye, got in there super early, did a film session apparently with at least one of the assistant coaches yeah. and was in the lineup. Yeah, here's the Rockets film session. You're going to shoot three-pointers. <laughs> we'll put up 50 a game. That's what we do. Stand here and shoot three-pointers. All right, go get them. That was basically Oh, it. you don't want me to drive, said Robert Covington? Well, no. I mean, it was about, you know, when you think about the Burks and Robinson moves, that was probably about the best you could do to just kind of fill out the team in the margins and give them a little bit of extra shooting, you know. Because, uh, you know, if you're not moving Horford and he's staying in the starting lineup, then it is what it is. You know, they're they're losing on the road and they're winning at home, and then they get uh, confident to the point where they're shushing the crowd. Uh, here's a question for you, though. Al Horford shushes the crowd on Friday. Joel Embiid shushes the crowd on Sunday. Is the difference in why uh, Embiid is drawing on the headlines and ire because he also told the crowd to shut the bleep up? Or is it because he's a bigger player? He's been here for longer than Horford. Like, is it just? It's, I, it's I, all those things. I think it's because things? the fan base has, whether they want to admit it or not, they they've started to turn on Joel Embiid a little bit. There's always, and he's always been emotionally kind of up and down and back and forth. You know, I mean, it feels like it's a roller coaster with him. Where you know, God, it wasn't even long ago that Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal were calling him out, and then he goes out and like clobbers the next team that they play, and then he's sitting there on live TV saying, "I appreciate you guys." You know, thanks for the motivation and blah, blah, blah. And it's all good, right? No, no. And then, like, another week and a half, you know, passes. And then he's back to, like, this this ebb and flow of where his attitude and his emotions are and his feelings are. It's like I can't even remember. It, it happens so often that I can't even, like, really, like, put put the timeline on it anymore. you got to be writing these things down. Like, what mood is Joe Ellen beat in today? And, and But he's been consistent in saying, too, publicly about, like, hey, we need other people to make sacrifices offensively. Like, we got to space the floor better. So it's not – it's it's to his credit. It's not like it's some like pent up anger or or like frustration that's been sitting there. Like he's voiced his concerns. It has been a lot of complaining though, and this even goes back to and I think I said this like one of the first episodes of the show that we did on six ten. But like, it felt like there was a bit of a paradigm shift in this organization where it was Joel Embiid's team. The moves that the team made were to pacify or at least to further further push this team toward playing to Joel Embiid's strengths, whether it's acquiring a guy like J.J. Redick that he can play a good two-man game with, a guy who stretched the floor for Joel to go to work in the post, if it was going out and acquiring a Marco Bellinelli and Ursan Ilyasova to continue, obviously, to stretch the floor and maximize Joel Embiid's low post ability. And who had the best relationship with Jimmy Butler? And that's the other thing. Yeah, and, so he's kind of lost when, his guys. And, it's and, like, hmm. and, and really, in J.J. and in Jimmy, like those were either his best friends off the court in – probably Jimmy, his 
probably the guy who maximized him the best in in J.J. Redick. And then you saw the team do that shift where Jimmy's out, Ben Simmons gets the max. They bring back Tobias Harris, who's apparently popular in the locker room, but apparently has a, a solid relationship with Ben Simmons. And it felt like they were going out to get guys that really were to, in the case of Al Horford at least, that was a move that was meant for Joel's going to miss a stretch of 20-plus games at some point this year, or 20 total. We know it's going to happen. How do we maximize you know, the, the team's ability that when he's off the floor, we're not that, what was it, a minus 19 net rating Again, in the postseason last year, when, yeah, when Joel like, Embiid left the floor, yeah. and so like you you see these kinds of moves, and if you're Joel Embiid, you're like, all right, well, I, you know, I'm the franchise player, right? Like, not to quote AI, but like mm-hmm. he thought that he was the guy, and you saw that this yeah, really has become more practice. of that shift towards being Joel and Ben's Joel's, team, yeah, yeah, yeah. and arguably you could make the case that some of the moves that they've made have really been to benefit Ben more than they've been to Joel, and um, well, and I, also I, if you think that the coach is intrinsically linked to, to ben, ben Simmons as well, then I can understand why Ju- Joel is probably sitting there saying, okay, like the coach probably fla- fa- flavors, probably favors the Ben Simmons. You know, Jimmy Butler uh, is gone. You know, Joel and or, um, J.J. Reddick's gone. So, yeah, I mean, Embiid's probably sitting there saying, like, what the hell? You know, but it's but still, also it's like, like- but, but he has, he has, I like, I don't get why all these people are like, well, you got to trade one or the other. I'm like, when Co- Covington and Sarich and Redick were on the team. It was a good offensive team, and it worked because he had shooters around him, and Ben was able to get up and down the floor and do his thing, and there were enough possessions for Joel to do his thing too. So it's like – Let me ask you, because I always like to ask questions because I don't have a a firm opinion on this. You're like me with basketball. You with basketball is like how I am with uh, No, but I think think that there's like some, some value to taking a step back and looking at it from a more general perspective. This team is exhausting. Like this, this yes. narrative is exhausting. <laughs> like, can Ben and Joe exist? Can they coexist? Like, at what point? And really, this is, I think, the question. At what point do the Sixers have to evaluate this thing and say, "This is not going to get better"? I mean, you're. I just heard you say that they can add to it, or in the past they've had the right parts where this thing has worked. What do you think the most likely outcome of this is? Because this feels tired now. And so is it that this summer they're going to come up with an alternative path to making this successful? Or do you think that they really have to – maybe they've reached a breaking point where they have to do something. Yeah, I don't – Because they can't keep going down this path. No, no, it's like the definition of insanity, right? I just think that uh, they painted themselves into a corner with the contracts that they handed out. So, you know, the easiest – the the ideal thing to do would be try to get rid of Al Horford. You know, but that's probably not going to happen. So then uh, you're not getting rid of Tobias Harris, right? That's not going to happen. You're not getting rid of, you know, you handed out these fat contracts to to both uh, Zenimbeat. So I guess you got to get rid of the coach. But is there any uh, hope for the, the the preseason talk? Was you know once you get to the playoffs, it's a half court game, yeah. bully yes. ball, that whole deal. Yeah. Is, there, yeah. is that still in play? It is. Or are that's we just got so frustrated with this whole thing that we've forgotten this? I think there, it's still in play. There's yeah. a part of this that like is is critical, and somebody with the Sixers needs to like get this part together. Al Horford is clearly hurt. Like I I think that Al came back early from an injury, a leg injury. Um and I, I think he came back early because he realized that the depth chart behind him without Joel Embiid being a reliable option, he knew that that was going to be an issue and he he thought that it was better for the team that him at like 70% was better than Kyle O'Quinn and Jonah Bolden. Is there a reason you can't drink the water out of the bottle? Yeah, cuz I like have? I like to take 
I like to have it all in the analogy. What's the what? He just so, Rush just took a bottled water and he poured the water into another bottle. It was my bigger bottle, my Nalgene. What's okay, wrong with that? Okay, I'm, I'm gonna take this into strange. Paper, I'm gonna take this into the Flyers game. Okay. It's okay. Um, I think the Flyers need or the, not the Flyers. The Sixers need to shut down Al Horford for like a month or so. Like get his body right so that when this team does make the postseason, you've got a real Al Horford. Like so many of these three pointers that he's taking, and he's taking a historically high number compared to the rest of his career, three-point attempts per game. A lot of these shots are coming up short. It I looks like he's got he's, tired legs. I don't know if he's still hurt. I mean, he had the like the leg thing, and yeah, he did come back what I thought was rather quickly, and um, Derek raised that point too. Bob Bodner said, like, you know, I'm not sure if he's 100%, but I mean, it's been a long time since that. If it's happened, a nagging just, thing, like that to me is an issue because like you can't here's the, the thing. Everybody, the fit, everybody the wants fit is to, a problem, but at some point, like he's gotta he's gotta hit what is what are his, nor- his career normal. He's norms. getting like open shot. Yeah. And I he's mean, not hitting them. Yeah, and that's I mean, the concern. It's not like he's like bricking like contested twenty five footers. I mean, like, for the most part, he's getting the shots he wants. Now any basketball player will tell you that they like specific shots because they feel like they're in a rhythm as they shoot them. You know, if you like to shoot off the off the pull up, if you like to roll and or pop or something like that, and shoot off of that, it's fine. It's a difference in how in how the shot comes versus just where you're standing when you take the shot. But you know, I don't I don't think that you can bench a guy like Al Horford because it's, like, people say, "Well, I'll just put him on the bench." I was like, I mean, the guy's making a ton of money. He's a 33 year old like respected veteran. I mean, like you risk the chance of doing like irreparable damage there with the relationship he has with the team. And then like, if they play well while he's on the bench, then what is he a bench? Is he a, you know, $30 million bench piece for the next two years? Like it's just where you're then going to have to part like, with like legitimate young talent to try to get that. number. Yeah. Up yeah. And I know people like to say, well, I'll just bench Ben Simmons until he shoots a three point. I'm like, well, you know, you don't really do that in the NBA. It's not like, Little League Baseball where, you know, little Timmy doesn't, like, run out the pop fly and say you put him in left left field or stick him on the bench or whatever the hell. But um, interestingly enough, when Horford, Simmons, and Embiid are all on the floor at the same time, that group is in minus a negative 1.1 net rating. So when you break when you break that up into the two-man variations of those lineups, Horford and Simmons, plus 4.1. Horford and Harris, plus 5.0. Horford and Embiid, negative 1.3 net rating. To me, that's just all it is. I mean, it's just a, it's just a matter of fit. I, I think, I think, you know, and to that point, I think Elton Brand is more responsible than anybody else. I mean, you've obviously he's built a team that can beat the Celtics. He's built a team that can be competitive and perhaps beat the Bucks in a seven game series, but they can't beat like anybody else on the road. <laughs> so it's like, you know, are you willing to take, you know, a step back to ultimately what do you think is take two steps forward? Um, the Sixers' worst case scenario is that they end up in a, in a series with Miami who we said I think since the beginning of the season is a team that's going to be able to beat you from deep yeah and their reinforcements too that they decided that's the game plan with them or they go up against a Toronto team that has well exceeded expectations despite Kawhi Leonard I know you're sitting there waiting for them to like drop off and it's not not coming you know like those are two teams that you don't want to go up against in the postseason like oddly enough Boston isn't as as scary as as they've been Kyle gets more and more emboldened with his Kyle Lowry uh, stance, as long as Toronto keeps winning, you know. So, you big, know, big it's, Toronto it's fan a boy. big Toronto. So, listen, this is what Embiid said when they asked him. Um, I didn't go down because I was watching my daughter last night. But here's what Embiid said after the shush. I uh, said, "I'm just talking to myself. I have not been playing up to my standards. Even tonight, you look at the night. I didn't shoot the ball well and I didn't play well. So I'm just mad at myself, just frustrated, just got to keep trying to get better every single day. And then it was asked to him kind of again as a follow-up. 
They said, I don't care how it looks. I'm just playing basketball, just getting back to myself, just being a good a-hole, just playing basketball and just trying to dominate. Thank you. So, look, I don't really have everybody, and then everybody gets in these like existential discussions about, like, well, should fans boo or should they not boo? Like, I, I, we, we just saw this happen last year. Like, game one, Brooklyn playoff series, Ben Simmons scores nine points. He gets booed every time he goes to the foul line. After the game, he says, if you're going to boo, stay on that side. Comes out, he gets booed at the beginning of the next game, but he goes on to score a triple-double. The Sixers put up 145. They win by 22 points. And then after the game, he says, I hear the boos, and, like, I get it. I want, you know, I want people to know that I have a love for this city and I like playing for this city and blah, blah, blah. So it was like the fans clapped at him. He clapped back. Everything was good. You know, I mean, it's it just to – me, to me, like, booing doesn't always have to necessarily come from this place of, like, derision and, like, uh, it's not like you're trying to, like, you know, be a butthead and be, like, humiliating or anything like that. You know, in a lot of ways, if you think about it, the only real way that fans can communicate with players is by booing them. Or cheering for them, you know, you're not gonna go up, go up to them and talk to them. Like you can mention them on Twitter, you can slide into their DMs and Instagram, but you might not get a response. So you can communicate to them by booing them and telling them they're not playing hard enough, or you can cheer them and saying they are. And a lot of those same people that booed Ben Simmons were giving him a standing ovation the next night. Yep. So I mean, to me, this it's kind of like, like the, it's, the, it's 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 on. Then I think what the story is instead, because I could just say that and say it's over. I'm it's a Van Jones nothing burger. But the story then is how individual players react to, to that, you know. It's just funny to me to like see, and and this is part of my problem. I think with the Philadelphia fan base as a whole is, we like to tell everybody that we're the the best, the most passionate fan base, that we're tough. And then you see what happens when a guy claps back, guy tells you to shut the f up, right? He doesn't get in the face of any individual fan, just kind of looks off to the side, and like maybe there was a fan who was goading him. It, for all we know, it could have been an opposing fan, right? But then we get, like, so offended and so upset. We get so emotionally distraught that one of our guys doesn't have that unconditional love. Like, that this human being who's getting booed or who's being told he's fat or he's out of shape, he doesn't want to win, all that crap. Mm-hmm. Like, you're a human being. And so if you're hearing that during a game and you hit a big three, like, yeah, you're you're a human being. Of course, yeah, you're yeah. going to have some kind of visceral reaction. And so you would want you would want that person to. So like you know. hearing all these people getting upset last night and today, it's just like, shut up. Like, well, you deal. can question you can you can question individually. You know the mental capacity and uh, metal that Embiid has in response to something like that. But I think if you're going to, you, know, you know, get all your your underwear in a twist over the fact that like an athlete came back at you after you booed him, like what who who are we to think that? we can just say a bunch of crap about a guy and he's not going to respond. It's even in the media. Like I write some like negative story about somebody and then how naive of it would, would it be for me to go shove my recorder in the guy's face and expect him to act like I never said anything negative about him. Like people pay attention to that stuff and you want them to pay attention to stuff like that. In the case of Ben Simmons, he responded really well to it. That's not saying it's going to work for everybody. Like we're going to see how Embiid comes out. But he if, if he comes out in response to this, the same way he came out, in response to the criticism from Shaq and Charles Barkley, then haven't we seen an instance of him responding positively to this before? Like, I don't, I don't, I this guess. is, it's not, to me, it's not anything new. It's just like, you know, I, I, I was laying in bed and I was watching one of those, those military 
videos the the parent comes back and surprises the kid like there was the one at the um the harlem globetrotters game yeah and those always those always make me tear up and then i thought man like that that's going to be the thing that just breaks me that's going to be the thing that makes me cry and then i saw on twitter somebody put up highlights from joel Embiid's 2017-18 season and i saw the explosiveness and i saw that two-way game and that that balls to the wall kind of mentality that that guy who will run through a wall for that chase down block, the the guy who plays with a jovial spirit, that plays with the real joy, right? And that that guy's not here. And so I worry one that he for whatever reason emotionally just can't handle it. It's that maturity thing and now he's trying to overcompensate. And I also worry that like he's only twenty five years old and he looks like he's thirty five. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. an issue because I've I've been in this camp of if you're gonna pick one or the other, like I would I would say that if I'm looking at the long term viability of this team being a contender, that I would rather go with the guy who's two years younger, doesn't have this extensive injury history. And by the way, like for as much as people say that he's not a real relatable guy and maybe he doesn't give the best or most insightful answers to media consistently. Ben Simmons, to me, is a guy who has gone out of his way probably, I think, more than Joel, at least this season, in expressing, enjoying playing here, talking about his teammates, boosting up his teammates, putting down his own personal accomplishments, except for, like, the one time that he said, like, I'm an all-star as, like, a response to the jump shot thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I think he's made a concerted effort to try to connect with the fan base more this year. And so, like, I almost feel like, in a sense, like, the city hasn't really been fair to Ben this year because he still doesn't have a jump shot, and like yeah, I think that's that gets weighed and it's not it's not that we need to have this either or conversation all the time, but like I I do think that we've seen development not only on the court but off it as well from Ben Simmons and like here we are like Ben has done a great job of staying in this lineup keeping things afloat granted not on the road like they're not a good road team we get it and it's a weird fit but he's trying. And instead, like, it's overshadowed once again by, like, Joel's general affect. And that, to me, is 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 a bit of a bummer. I think what everybody needs, and Bob was kind of alluding to this, but this this team, and the, the Eagles were the same way, too, but that that Eagles season and this Sixer season have been exhausting. Yep. Have been exhausting. The storylines, the play on the, the inconsistent play on the field. I think everybody needs the all-star break badly. I'm going on vacation, like, the first time in a year and a half. We're going down to Florida. I'm going to watch no basketball. We need a break. They need a break. I think everybody just needs a clean break from the Sixers. Investor Jeff needs a break. I'm worried, I'm worried about his health. He's if, a doctor, and I'm worried about his if health. If you had mm-hmm. said to, to anybody before the season that by this point in the year, we would all be exhausted by the Sixers, and the Flyers would be a more popular team within their fan base and a more fun overall team to watch, Le- said, no, nobody crazy. would have believed you. That's By the way, crazy. a big thank you to our other sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Well, we got we to gotta hit DraftKings Sportsbook really okay. quickly. Don't forget, use the promo code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up. They've got a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. Uh, use that code CROSSINGBROAD, and they will, uh, they'll match you up to $1,000. Must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25-time playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Bob's writing all kinds of stuff about DraftKings. It looks like the, uh, oh no, we might have to put the uh, Mount Rushmore out as a podcast exclusive over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever else you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week with the Crossing Broadcast. You won't want to miss that.